Welcome to Disinfect. This is the podcast about the worst music ever recorded, developed by Matt Deal, the co-host and co-creator, with co-creator and, and host at large, Morris Bernstein. Hello. Yes, the uh, the cool Mancunian Northern England voice is, is Morris, and the, the Midwestern newscaster is, is me, Matt Deal. So um, today we are disinfecting... One of the most infuriating reggae covers, uh, which um, Pat Travers covers Bob Marley's "Is This Love," and uh, the Pat Travers Band, the Pat Travers Band, yeah. yes, of course, which is important. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but before we get into that, let's talk a little bit about the original, because again, this is another thing of is this sacrilege? Mm-hmm. To, is it sacrilege to cover Bob Marley? Is it sacrilege to cover Bob Marley badly? Um, so you, you didn't you went to college in 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 the UK, right? I went to university. We didn't call. We don't I mean call university. College. Yeah, I went to uh, I went to college. So um, the reason I asked you that is because in in America, Bob Marley legend, you literally would hear it coming out of every dorm room. To the point, it, it was almost astonishing, um, the sheer saturation of Bob Marley. It's not surprising, although God, there were so many innovators in reggae. I mean, mm-hmm. so many. Oh yeah. Bad reggae. There's a lot of bad reggae to explore. Yeah, but from from the sort of '60s, '70s, um, you know, Studio One stuff and Cox, Trojan, Trojan, brilliant stuff, the best. And Bob Marley. I mean, you know, kind of the Beatles of reggae. Yeah, in a sense, both for being an innovator and for writing sort of timeless songs. Mm-hmm. Brilliant songs. Let's go to it. <laughs> From the album Kaya. The 1978 album Kaya. What a groove. It's such a cool groove because it's it's obviously influenced by American R&B, but it has its own pocket. Actually, it's an interesting thing. That line will share this. Will share the shelter of my single bed. Mm-hmm. Apparently, that was actually based on Bob Marley's actual bed in Nine Mile, Jamaica. Mm-hmm. He had a single bed. I I thought in this song he said and just provide the bread. 
when I was a kid listening to it, I thought it was, I didn't know who Jar was, so it was like, you know, just provide, you know. Just, just yeah. provide bread and we're yeah. cool. Mm-hmm. So another another lyrics I got wrong are coming up in a second, so So there I thought he said throw my cords on the table as his corduroy pants. <laughs> Not his cards, wow. yeah. So it's just you know when I was Well and then Pat Travers said I put my cords on the table. Yeah. Which we will uh, disinfect and deconstruct. Oh my goodness. Yeah, I know. That's really up there with Guilty Feet Have No Rhythm. The I3s. Backing vocals are so special and unique on this on this recording. How they're integrated. Yeah. They float. They're so iconic. The song would not be the same without those female backing vocals. Oh yes, I know. Three eyes. I threes. I threes. Three I like three eyes better actually. That's actually a cop term. I'm looking at you with three eyes. Which means I find you shady. Gonna throw his cords on the table again. <laughs> Here they come. There you go. <laughs> so this vision of him taking his corduroy jeans off and throwing them on the table. Yeah. <laughs> I used to think uh, Hey Ya was Shake It Like a Corduroy Picture. <laughs> True story. Around that period of time. Um, no disrespect to you Americans. Um, I used to ask Americans to name three reggae artists for me. They'd always get two. Bob Marley and the second one was Peter Tosh. And then... But they couldn't do three. They could not get... I know you can do three, but... Aswad, Steel yeah. Pulse, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Sugar My Nut. Mm-hmm. How's that? Gregory... Yeah, but I'm saying... I know, the, mo- the, the average punter. Yeah, would, disaster. Would, would stop at two. So, um, what's interesting to me about Is This Love, and again, it's, this, it's again, Like Love Will Tear Us Apart. It's a very personal song. And not only is it a very personal song, it's a very personal song about marriage right and about and and in, in fact uh, and corduroy jeans and corduroy jeans yeah. Uh, yeah. shake it <laughs> shake it like a corduroy picture um uh, so rita marley who is bob's wife mm-hmm. she she thinks one of those one wife, well yeah. i mean it goes without saying <laughs> um hmm. uh yes well but she said she felt the inspiration for is this love actually happened when she met Bob Marley. Hmm. She felt it actually, um, it literally was inspired by when they met, they realized they were going to spend the rest of their lives together. Hmm. And um, 
and 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 again, getting back to the the personal aspect of the lyrics. On the one hand, you know, he says, "We'll share the shelter of my single bed," mm-hmm. and it's a very universal theme. On the other hand, he's literally talking about a single bed in Nine Mile, Jamaica, where he grew up, and mm-hmm. and he's saying, "We're going to get married, and we have to tough it out, and we're going to sleep on this little tiny bed, and we're still going to be in paradise." And also, I think it's actually a song that he wrote in the '60s that he reworked, hmm. which was um, both, I think. I think Kaya... So Kaya is the album that yep, Is This Love appeared yep. on, 1978. <clears throat> mm-hmm. the ne- was it Exodus was after that one. I think it was before. Yes, it was before. They both were from 1978. Yeah, Exodus ex- was for first, and Kaya was second. And I, the reason I know that, and it actually relates to this song, is because Exodus... Um, Bob Marley was sort of kicked out of Jamaica. That's, mm-hmm. a, that's a bit of a oversimplification. Yeah. He's sort of exiled. Yeah. And he went to London... He made an exodus mm-hmm. to London and also tying into the history of the Israelites, I yep. think. Yep. Um, and uh, an exodus very much, I think, was actually influenced by the, the reggae of London. Right. In other words, like the Steel Pulse, Aswad, it was a little edgier. It was a little tougher. It was, I think he was also a little galvanized about getting exiled and yeah. pissed off and and... So that was a very tough album, and then Kaya came out, and it was a very soft album. Uh, Exodus has some soft parts oh, in yeah. it as well. Wait I mean, in Vain is like, that's yeah. a great love song. So, so getting back to, to to the song in particular, and what makes the Bob Marley song interesting. Well, number one, if you take the the word love out of Bob Marley's repertoire, it, it looks like Swiss cheese. I mean. There's, I don't have fingers and toes enough to count the songs. That, and, and what I realized about that was love for Bob Marley was like a revolutionary act the way it was for like John Lennon. So people thought he was going soft on Kaya when in fact he was actually asserting kind of his worldview, mm-hmm. which really was sort of revolutionary. And then, and then there's just Hat Travers Band's cover of Is This Love? It's the worst. Yeah, I mean, I think that... Um, Bob Marley was still alive when yes. Pat Travis's version of this stuff. And there actually was a rumor that when he heard this version, it actually was probably the reason that he ended up passing away. <laughs> oh, that God. it was just so horrendous that um, I have, I read that on the internet actually um, when I was doing the research uh, that he was just so appalled uh, by by the version he heard, but yes, it definitely it, it definitely stinks of Pat. We need a hit, man. Um, by the way, I did look for sort of critical perspective on this song, and I could find absolutely zero. Not, zero. And what's funny is um, Morris came to me and he said, "You know, I think this is one of the worst reggae covers of all time." And I listened to it, and I remembered it, but I listened to it, and I was I was in shock. And he was right, and I and I'm kind of in shock that the internet doesn't agree. Right. Well, it's maybe maybe it's for us to to spread the, the to spread the gospel. It's time to disinfect. Absolutely. Is this love? Let's, Absolutely. Let's, let's let's go to it. So here we go. Here it's faster. And how about that that cheesy Bass. synthesizer from the '80s? Yeah. Soaring. Also, they're over-enunciating the keyboard vamps. Playing a reggae groove, man. Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. quote-unquote. Yeah. yeah. Playing. (laughs) 
his over enunciation is making me uncomfortable. But it's like Gary Newman without the future. <laughs> and also it's like he's almost commanding his lover mm-hmm. in the cock rock fashion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. not sensitive. Yeah, 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 yeah. Job provide the bread. Yeah. yeah. No <laughs> white man should sing that line. Well, that's why I thought you were saying just throw out the bread. Just throw out the bread. It's <laughs> yeah, exactly. dry. Yeah. Or turn exactly. it into French exactly. toast. Toast. I, that's, there you go. Toast. I, now, the backing vocals is, is are just terrible. terrible. The backing vocals are shrill. <laughs> and then hear this guitar line. That is the cheesy 80s guitar line on steroids, basically. Oh, the vocal is terrible. Now, this is my least... It may be my second least favorite lyric, now that you've pointed out. Yeah, lay my... So, the original, he says, I'm going to lay my cards on the table. Mm -hmm. Bob Marley says, I'll lay my cards on the table. In other words, I'm going to put my love out there. Mm-hmm. Pat Travers says, I'm going to put my chords on the table. He I cu- think he's trying to say cards. No, he says chords because he's a guitarist. Well, that's why I thought that he, they were saying chords, like corduroy jeans. Like, yeah. yeah, but he was saying, he was even cheating. This yeah. is the guilty feet <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. has no rhythm yeah. of guitar heroes. <laughs> oh, here we go. Listen. Oh. Oh, the, you're I, hearing, you know what you're hearing too here? What? Digital reverb yeah. for the first, it's like, this is the 80s digital reverb and the, and the bit rate is low and so it sounds crunchy and plastic. And the other thing is, this song is five and a half minutes long. How could they... Add two minutes? <laughs> yeah, like... <laughs> oh, but it's the, it's the guitar solo that they have. Yes, yeah. but then the guitar solo is underwhelming yeah, too. Yeah. Actually, this is best part. I don't think it's as good as it could be. Morris is grooving right now, by the way. <laughs> His head nodding. I think it's cheesy as fuck. Now now I think the groove is getting kind of good, though. I think mm-hmm. they're getting into it a little bit. They're kind of gelling on it. How about that grunt? No, the grunt has to go. Definitely has to go, yeah. Here, watch this. <laughs> Check this out. Now, I have a deep point coming up here. Now, when he says, with the roof right over our head, it sounds like he's speaking like with a fake Jamaican accent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I can't tell if he's actually singing in a fake Jamaican accent or if just that line is impossible to say without sounding that mm-hmm. way. But... A white man on record, yeah. vaguely sounding like he's doing a fake Jamaican accent, is a problem. Oh, and the other, the biggest issue there, Pat Travers changes a key lyric. Yeah. In the original, Bob Marley says, we'll share the shelter of my single bed, right? Pat Travers says, we'll share the shelter 
on my single right, bed. Right. What Bob Marley's saying is, we'll share this bed. Pat, Pat, Travers saying, I'm going to fuck you on this bed. Exactly. Yeah. Frucks up. Yeah, very erotic, you know, not. But what I hate about that and is people forget now that in the 70s, they would, like, a big thing would be to add in, like, a slightly sexy double entendre mm-hmm. in the song, and then the crowd would go, <sighs> mm-hmm. you know, you'd say something a little naughty, like, mm-hmm. you'd apply someone who's wearing no underwear, and the crowd would go crazy. You know, so I, I really hate those moments, and that is an egregious moment. We're really going to disinfect this now. Okay. Um, I, re- I went through, I really investigated where it went wrong. Number one, how do you know that this is a bad song right away? The drum intro is wildly overdone. Mm-hmm. There's no, it's like, I get it. You're a good drummer. The reggae drummer counts it in. Yeah. And it starts to swing and it's natural. This guy is like, he wants to Billy Cobb him out. Was, he was in Black Oak, Arkansas. Yes. What do you, I mean, you can't get a whiter, more redneck band than Black Oak, Arkansas. So how yeah. do you expect Tommy Aldridge to... And Take then, on the Whalers. Yeah, to, yeah. so it's a non-starter. Even though this song is from 1980, it's starting to be a collection of every 80s cliche. You've got the, the 80 cheesy synth surge. You know, you've got the jazzed out accents in the groove. Travers, I feel like he can't decide whether to like sing in this oversung bluesy style testifying or be more 80s and held back he's sort of in this weird like i said it's like gary newman without the future you know it's just it's over enunciating macho there's a machismo oh but that's rock and roll i mean that's the yeah yeah but there's no macho in in bob marley's version because the whole point of that song is to be vulnerable correct and that's what he could do i don't think Pat Travis wasn't a vulnerable That wasn't the point. Artist, yes. Yeah, he wanted to put you on the bed and fuck you. Exactly. Um, Single bed. That's all you need. And then I would say, you know, the, in the beginning, the vamping is a bit jive. You know what I mean? It's, it's like you said, it's, it's like the idea of a reggae playing a reggae song as opposed to actually playing yeah. a reggae song. Yeah, it's like, guys, reggae groove. One, two, yeah. three, four. Yeah. And then that lyric... Oh, We'll share the shelter on my single bed. I mean, this is gross. <laughs> As we said before, any white man singing for Jaw Provide the Bread, it's unsingable. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to sing it. Well, that's why it's easy. For Jaw Provide the Bread. Doesn't How does it work? Good. Coming from the white man. It sounds terrible. For Jaw Provide the Bread. You just say, just provide the bread, and that's yeah. how you or how about accept give me, yeah, it. Yeah, I got some bread. Um, just provide the bread. Just provide the bread. That's, it's like the Pat Boone remix. Right, that's, that's probably what he thought he was saying. That's what I thought he was saying. Every, every move that they did to sound modern sounds dated here. Yes. Well, it was 1980. Yes. So. Well, it was the beginning of that. Yeah. Um, oh, and then, and then there's just all, like, the ad-libs. Hey, <laughs> it's so uninspiring, you know. It's like, well, well, you could tell that he was in trench town when he recorded yes. this record. I mean, so yeah. do you? Do you think when he says with a roof right over our heads, is that a fake Jamaican accent or not? Yes, it's a fake fake Jamaican accent. So the semiotic wrongness of adopting the white man adopting the fake Jamaican accent to me. It's like the musical equivalent of buying those knit hats mm-hmm. that look like dreadlocks. Yes. That are in like the port towns and yeah. the cruises and mm-hmm. you put them on so you can blend with the locals. 
or think you're blending with yeah. the locals. I mean, you just look like a idiot who's got off a cruise, who's trying to blend with the locals and got ripped off by yeah. an, a stupid, offensive hat, basically. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You've entered the up. politics of hair. Yeah, it's like, yeah, those hats, I mean, yeah. And, anyway. And, uh, and, you know, and again, it ends with his absolute weakest moment. He repeats... So I throw my chords on the table. Mm-hmm. Yeah, his, his chords, his jeans, you know. No, 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 his chords. He's a guitarist. I know. I thought it was his jeans, though. Because every woman <laughs> wants wants a lead guitarist chords on the table. I mean, that's what I... Well, if they're sharing a single bed, he's going to have to take his trousers off at some point. Yes. So that's why he lays his chords on the table. By the way, Mancunians right. are obsessed with corduroys. <laughs> it is true. This is true. Flared corduroys. So yeah, I feel like this song, it's kind of like that scene in Chinatown. Faye Dunaway's getting slapped and she's like, she's my sister, she's yeah, my yeah, daughter. Yeah, she's yeah, my, yeah, I feel yeah, like... Yeah. I think this is like, I'm Eric Clapton. I'm Neil Schoen. I'm Eric Clapton. I'm Neil Schoen. <laughs> You know, it's desperate. If, if we're going to talk about bad reggae songs where a white artist sings in a faux Jamaican accent, yes. um, one that is absolutely awful is Neil Diamond's reggae, the song. Oh. Uh, probably more offensive than this one. It's just not a cover, so we couldn't cover it. But, like, just... We'll, we'll hit it yeah. in the future future yeah. seasons. Oh, my God. It's embarrassing. Neil, I love you. You're a brilliant musician, brilliant songwriter, brilliant singer. But that was bad. As Steve Coogan once said to me, that's for me to think and for you to say. Right. Um, I actually asked him if he thought Ricky Gervais had ripped off Alan Partridge. Mm-hmm. And he said that. So I just had to get that in. Um, Steve Coogan's from Manchester. Yes, he's, I'm, I'm trying to keep it. Uh, <laughs> keep it real. Yeah, I'm trying to keep it on, you know, on, on message here. Um, something we do here on Disinfect is sort of each episode is sort of a preview of upcoming seasons. Mm-hmm. And I would say Pat Travers band's cover of Is This Love, it's, 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 it's sort of a, a, a smoke signal to the cod reggae mm-hmm. season. Yep. So, as, so I, if, could you explain cod reggae? I'll, I'll let you explain cod reggae. Oh, yeah, oh yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, I guess I'm explaining cod reggae. Um, well, the reason I asked Morris to explain it is because he's British. Um, and cod reggae really started in England. And in fact, the term cod reggae, I investigated its etymology. And apparently there's some word called codding, C-O-D-D-I-N-G. And it means like faking. It's like an archaic word. Hmm. And apparently that's where it comes from. Hmm. So cod means fake, right? ersatz, faux, mm-hmm. you know, um, the, the fake version of something. So, uh, and then, but then I had this insight, this profound insight. So cod reggae is almost always played by white people. Mm-hmm. That's what defines it. And cod is white. Mm-hmm. And so I always thought cod right. reggae meant right. white reggae because it's white like a cod, mm-hmm. piece of cod. Yeah, I think both... Etymological interpretations work. Right. Um, But cod reggae, I was thinking about this. It is one of the worst genres, subgenres in history. It's very hard to go right. Do you want to give the audience some other examples of some cod reggae songs? Well, they're actually, uh, um, let's see. Well, uh, the band UB40 Mm -hmm. is kind of the. 
I don't know, the, the white snake of cod reggae? The, oh, you like white snake, early white snake. I early think. white snake, were awesome. Yes. So um, maybe they're the... But why, I mean, you'd be 40. I mean, look, I, listen, towards the latter stage of their career, I couldn't stand them. But there was a mix, a multiracial band Absolutely. From, from Birmingham. So is it cod reggae because it's, you know, a couple of white guys in the band? or? Well, I always thought <clears throat> UB40 was sort of the more traditional roots um, response to the two-tone movement, the ska movement. So in other words, there were a lot of elements of the two-tone movement, like a multiracial band, Mm -hmm. a white singer, Mm -hmm. um, and very early on, very credible Mm -hmm. groups. Oh yeah, political as well. Yeah, uh, the the first UB40 hit, I think, is One in Ten. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm a one in ten, a number on a list. Yeah. So one in ten people were unemployed or something. Yes, under Thatcher, one in ten, I think youth, Mm -hmm. young people Mm -hmm. were unemployed. Mm -hmm. And... um, and I think that I think UB40 is the name of the, the UB40 is is your unemployment check, right? So it's 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 like the welfare check, mm-hmm. uh, the dole check. Yeah, the dole check is, and, a U, is your UB40. Yeah. So when UB40 started, they were incredibly mm. politically trenchant. Yep, in a way, so. responding to Thatcherism. Mm-hmm. But then when they started getting sentimental, they turned into cod reggae. Oh my god! Yes. Okay. And what are some other What are some other sort of cod reggae classics or unclassics for that matter? Oh, Obladi, Oblada. Oh, the Beatles. That's, By the way, that's that's Morris's least favorite Beatles song, Obladi, Oblada. I, I think it's one of the worst um, reggae songs. I mean, it's not reggae. It's one of the worst songs by um, the Beatles. And a cod yeah. reggae song. Yeah. Not a coincidence. Um, the Police. Ah, The Police, of course. Blondie. The tide but, is high. But that's and a good song. Go but on. it's cod reggae. Yeah, it's cod know. reggae. But what, see, the thing is about cod reggae, though, some cod reggae is actually awesome. Mm-hmm. So, for example, I would argue that uh, Police and Thieves by The Clash. Yeah, but the original was better than that, though. It was the, better than the, that, yeah, but The Clash better. brought their own. Yeah, okay, but Police and Thieves by Junior Mervyn is an mm-hmm. absolute reggae classic. Mm-hmm. And, the, and, and Morris is completely correct. The original is amazing. It's soulful. It's tr- it's it's politically trenchant. I've used trenchant twice in this episode. Take note. Um, and then I, I do think the Clash did their own thing with it. And then they also worked with people like Lee Scratch Perry. Mm-hmm. So they, you know, I feel like in terms of that as cod reggae, it was sort of the highest expression. And also, I would argue, I shot the sheriff by Eric Clapton. Oh, Led Zeppelin has possibly oh, yeah. the, the worst cod reggae song. Which is Dire Maker, right? Yep. That is the worst cod reggae song. We're giving away secrets from future future seasons. So what's interesting, though, about Pat Travers, to me, is I feel like he's emulating in a sort of a shameless way probably the most famous cod reggae song, which would be I Shot the Sheriff by yep. Eric Clapton. Also a Bob Marley classic. Yep. And... Isn't Eric Clapton right? I shot the sheriff. I'm joking. Oh. <laughs> I'm joking. This is a Mancunian, people. I am joking. I've yes. got a very dry sense of humor. Yes. Well, throw throw, throw, a, throw a towel on it. Um, mm-hmm. But what's interesting about that song, I, I feel like it was an inspired choice for Clapton. I didn't, it did, I didn't feel like... I felt like he put his own spin on it. 
kind of almost like Hendrix and All Along the Watchtower. Mm-hmm. Intriguingly, Dylan said that Hendrix was his favorite interpreter of his music. Mm. But I think Clapton, he brought in the blues narrative that was in um, I Shot the Sheriff. Mm-hmm. And then I also think he brought in the musicality of it. it he wasn't just aping reggae. He was, mm-hmm. he was sort of shaping it for his own ends in a, in a way that was respectful, but not reverential, if that makes any sense. In other words, he, he, he went far enough with it to make it his own. Mm-hmm. He brought out that outlaw country music narrative. The groove is authoritative. There's not much jive in it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? The potential for jive and cod reggae is through the roof, as mm-hmm. we will find out with mm-hmm. the Pat Travers band uh, mm-hmm. version of Is This Love. I feel like with Is This Love, it was like it worked for Eric Clapton 10 years ago. So why don't we do it? Again, it sounds like the stink of A&R is on this choice. So I also realized, too, Pat Travers was sort of at this. What, so we were talking about like bad music tells us something about the greater culture and mm-hmm. And music in general. And, and what I realized, Pat Travers started as like a blues rock artist. Mm-hmm. And he kind of got famous in the late 70s. Uh, his biggest hit in the United States was Boom Boom, Out, Out Goes the, the Lights. Light. Which is a blues remake. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, so he'd already had a hit with a cover song. Mm-hmm. Why not do another one? Um, but then, so the, the album that his cover of Is This Love? Crash and Burn. Crash and Burn came out in 1980. Mm-hmm. And I think this is... I bought it when it came out, guys. (laughs) I'm a Pat Travers fan, by the way. So just so we're we're actually dissing an artist I like, but his version of It's This Love is truly awful. Well, tell us why you you are a fan. Well, yeah. So um, I discovered Pat Travers when I was 14 years old, and um, I went to see Journey in concert true Um, confessions people um and the reason why i wanted to see journey was because um i am a my favorite band of all time is santana and um two members of journey were in santana so basically whatever anybody who had any slight affiliation with santana i would go and see but the fact was these were two sort of main members of santana neil Sean on guitar and greg Rowley on keyboards so i was super excited to see them live i don't think i really even knew their music um and went to the show it was in 1979 at the manchester apollo um and it was just when it was like the height of punk uh, and um, the Pat Travis band were supporting Journey on their first and only UK tour. Um, and um, they performed, and I've never heard of Pat Travis, it was superb. I mean, he, he had, um, it was Pat on guitar, he had Pat Thrall also on guitar, he was a superb guitar player. Who plays on Is This Love? Who play? who was in um, Automatic Man, which is like a great band with Mike Sharif, who was the drummer in Santana. And, yeah. by the way, I, I don't know if I should give this away at this time, but Pat Thrall not only played on one of the worst cod reggae songs of all time, he went on to play with Sly and Robbie. Yeah, he did. The yeah. greatest reggae Duo. rhythm section yeah. of all time. Absolutely. And he also... Uh, was in Automatic Man. Right. Um, and is, is a, actually a very good producer and great guitar player. Uh, and um, Miles Cowling on bass. 
and Tommy Aldridge from Black Oak, Arkansas, who then I think went on to the Ozzy Osbourne yes. band. Uh, on drums, a brilliant band, and they never heard of them, and they did a superb set, blues, guitars, boom, boom, out goes the light, Statesboro Blues, you know, making magic, all that stuff, fantastic. How and, was Journey? And the crowd, actually, I think more people were there for Pat Travis, and then Journey come on. Now, Journey back then, um, to say they were dressing, I mean, they had their hair boofed out. They were wearing tight pants. And this is the height of punk. And people were just booing them. They, and it was also their music was a little softer than Pat Travis as well. So it just didn't translate with the crowd. And their experience was so bad on this tour that they never toured England again. Yeah, they got they got gobbed. They got in Sheffield. They got spat at. Yes. So so gobbing is is British for which was a sign spitting. of affection. It's, it, you know, at to, that time, yeah, 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 it's a sign of affection to to spit at somebody. It's the lighter. Yeah. It was the, it was at the time. It was the lighters going up. Yeah, yeah. And, it was the version of, but I don't think they took it very well, and they never they never came back. Uh, but I remember hearing them sing um, "Wheels in the Sky" and also "Don't Stop Believing" because well, I mean, I was like, Ooh, I thought they were awful. Uh, but anyway, I don't know if I could come back from that. Yeah, and Pat Travis actually made his name by coming to London because yes. as a Canadian artist, he wasn't really breaking in the states, and he lived in London. Like, and it was very, very cold. And he wrote that song "Life in London." Well, I think he was also. I think that the, the, the reason why Pat Travers never sort of made the A list is he kind of was copying other people's moves. He moved to London like Hendrix. He was kind of, you know, he does a, a Marley song like Clapton. He d- he never totally transcended. Kind of, he was he was, he was a, a very good bar band. I think you're being very unfair. I too have yeah, seen yeah. Pat Travers live. Yeah, but you, what year did you see? 1988. There you go. The I mean, height it was of like, Pat Travers land. It was like you'd say like ten years, eight years after. I mean, those original members were no longer in there. It was probably like the. The stringers. Yeah. Was, so, uh, yeah. And by the way, just a little, just a little personal trivia note. I actually had finger cancer, the same cancer that killed Bob Marley. Oh wow. Okay. Yes. Are you? Uh, are you... I'm totally fine. You can probably see there's a little chunk missing out of wow. my finger there. Wow. It's, yes. It's, unfortunately, uh... they didn't have Mohs surgery when Bob Marley was alive. I actually read Morrissey's biography while. This was hap- uh, his memoir while I was having my finger cancer cut out. Wow! But I do, I do really love finger cancer. At least sounds funny until you realize it killed it's, Bob yeah, Marley. Yeah. Um, Didn't he have toe cancer? Well, he had. Yeah. He, he. So I had finger cancer. He had toe cancer, which mm-hmm. got under his uh, nail. Nail. Right, yeah. And 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 what's interesting about this kind of cancer is it's a wound that does not heal, and so. With Pat Travers, I wouldn't say you're saying he's a wound that does not heal. Well, I wouldn't say I wouldn't say is this love is a cancer. You're comparing him to finger cancer. Well, it's a it's his wound that would not heal. His version of is this love is the cod reggae wound that would not heal because it's preserved for history now. And I think we were being pretty obscure by even bringing up how bad this song was because it's not like it's not a go to bad cover, right? Well, it yeah, you have to be a bit of a crate digger. Um, obsessive mm-hmm. to really, but then, but then when I've played it for people, they're absolutely horrified. Of course. So, but before we do that, before we get into that, let's talk a little bit about the original, because again, this is another thing of, is this sacrilege? 
I do think that Bob Marley, it's incredibly easy to, to fall into mediocrity in covering his songs. Right. I think you're absolutely right because he, it's such a laid back feel to those songs that you kind of think it's easy to sing them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and actually even playing reggae is right. very difficult. Right. It sounds so simple and it's in fact, the syncopation of it is, is, is mm -hmm. very difficult. So, um, yeah, it's, you almost have to be a muso in the, in the muso way, but with, it, with but holding back, being minimalist with it. Well, how big how big was Bob Marley at that time? Oh, Bob Marley was huge in England. I mean, I I knew who Bob Marley was from quite a, a young. I mean, I was I was probably like ten or Babylon on bus, um, like probably ten, eleven when I knew who Bob Marley was, just listening to him on the radio. And like, and I think. Around this album, he was really starting to peak in America and the rest of the world. I always felt he got popular in America a little later than seventy. After he died? I think after he died, he got huge. He was, I mean, I think he, didn't he open up for Stevie Wonder once? Yes. Yeah. And, Boogie on um, Reggae Woman. Yeah. And um, in fact, my, my sister-in-law said she saw, I think, Stevie and Bob Marley at the, um, the Coliseum here. Oh, yeah. I think what's also really interesting about this song in particular is how it incorporates American R&B. And I would argue, I'm, I might be making stuff up here, but Bob Marley married Rita Marley in 1966, and he moved to America. Mm -hmm. He moved to Delaware, mm -hmm. uh, Wilmington, Delaware, where he worked at DuPont. And, and he worked at Chrysler Plant. And I, I thought he lived in New Jersey as well. I don't know why I thought that. Um, or Canar I, Anyway, he lived on the East Coast. Um, and I think he picked up a lot of R&B. Oh, yeah. R&B was a massive influence in, in Jamaica. In general. And, and it still is. I mean, that's why Michael, Michael Bolton is yeah. so popular. <laughs> I mean, he's, he's, I mean, Michael Bolton is genuinely a very popular artist with Jamaica. Well, we can't really call him R&B, but I'm just no. saying American music. A soulful American yeah. music. And, well, I don't know Ursats. if I can call him soulful either. Yes. But just, if you think about the great covers, just the great, you know, they, they were covering American pop songs. And what's Shaft it? Yes. is a great Shaft version, yeah. And then yeah. Uh, Country Roads by John yeah. Denver, yeah. Tootsie yeah. and the Maytals. Mm -hmm. Pretty much any, yeah. there was definitely a symbiotic, and I think Motown, there's a lot of Tamla Motown a lot, covers. A lot, yeah. Yeah. But I do think that when he came to America and was immersed in it, and 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 I think he even said this. I don't mean to. I don't mean to put words in a dead man's mouth. But I think he said he, he was. He felt he was living as a black American, mm. and sort of getting that experience. And he took that with him. And I think that that did make it. I mean, I, again, other people were doing it in, in Jamaica, but it made his music more universal. Mm. So. Uh, couple bits of trivia mm -hmm. and then my deep uh, analysis which will launch us to the next part mm -hmm. um um couple things uh this song inspired the book marley and me by john grogan wow which is a Didn't know that. sentimental bestseller um yes What's apparently it about? uh it's about his dog marley yeah, so right that movie came out right? yeah so a, a dog movie was inspired by the song Is This Love. Um, the video for Is This Love is the first public appearance of Naomi Campbell. Interesting. Who is seven years old. Wow. 
Never knew that. Yes, I thought that was uh, that's interesting. That was interesting. She was a like a little kid in London. Yep. I think um, uh, if you're seven years old, you're you're a little kid. Yeah. yeah. But she was from London, which is why I. <laughs> yes. Thank you for thank you for clarifying what a little kid is for me. In London. In London, no less. Um, the thing I, the thing I think that made this song so incredible and and sort of like the ultimate wedding song in a sense or the ultimate romantic song um i was i was reading a a piece on medium by a guy his name is otis agabe a-g-a-b-e-y and he says in it he says the, the the phrase in this love is a jamaican phrase that means do i have to marry this woman now but it's a it's a loving phrase, so it's kind of like, oh my god, am I am I really marrying you in a joyful way? You're sort of acknowledging both the pleasures and the pressures of this choice you're making to make this union. What I think really is amazing in the song is it's a meditation on all sides of commitment. He's proclaiming his love, and he's also questioning his love. He's verbalizing it so he can sort of face what it takes to commit. And he's also getting the, his lover to take a leap of faith. And, 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 and everyone in a relationship, especially in marriage, takes that leap of faith. Mm-hmm. And so what I think is really the power of it is it's a masterpiece, and this is something that Bob Marley did it's better than almost anyone. It's a masterpiece of making the personal universal. Mm-hmm. It's the sound of someone pinching themselves, seeing the rest of their life ahead with this partner, thinking about the good and bad, and, you know, in convincing himself, he's convincing his lover and he's convincing the world and the listener. Um, and that's what makes it a powerful song. And Pat Travers doing the exact opposite is what makes it a yeah. terrible cover. Yeah. I mean, we could just go into just how bad this cover is. I mean, it, and then you, you talked about how powerful the female... The, the, the three, oh. the the i3s were in um, in the original and how bad I, I don't know the name of the Dawn Shahan she's actually never had another credit right well uh, I think after that the she went back to um, working at Walmart I mean it was just, no offense uh, yeah, Dawn yeah. Um, D- don't well, don't quit your day job out of respect to Dawn is this love had these harmonies by the i3s that were magical. Mm-hmm. So the I-3s had their own unique harmonic thing happening, which was informed by American R&B, but mm-hmm. it, it kind of took it to this other kind of spectral plane. And then so when she does it, she's really doing just like basic mm-hmm. R&B. Mariah Carey didn't exist at this time. Well, she did exist, but, you know, it's just big. She was a seven-year-old running around yeah. in videos. But, but she's doing essentially big voice diva yeah. backup vocals. Mm-hmm. And the I-3s were something totally different. Yeah. So getting back to Pat Travers specifically. And Pat this, Travers Band. Pat Travers yeah, Band. Yeah. It got such a stickler. <laughs> yeah, yeah. These fucking Mancunians. Yeah. Um, again, the biggest yeah. Pat Travers obsessive <laughs> here. We, um, we're taking on artists we like. <laughs> so Crash and Burn came out in 1980, and the problems with Crash and Burn are epitomized by Is This Love. Yeah, agreed. It's not, not a great album. But the problem with it was is... It's trying, it's like, it's got one foot in the 70s. Yeah. And it's got one foot in the 80s. 
it's it's it doesn't know whether to like rest on its laurels or strain for relevancy. Yes. So, so the album before that they did was Heat in the Heat in the Streets, right? Which was a lot harder, a lot more rock and roll. And then they had Go for What You Know, which was a live album, high energy boogie, great with with versions of Boom Boom out goes yeah. the stage, screaming and all that, Stevie. And then Crash and Burn. It seems like that was. That was the shot at commercial success. Pat Thrall was the, was the second guitarist. Yep. And he joined um, for the live album. No, he joined for Heat in the Street. No, he's on the live album. Yeah, the live album came out after. Oh, okay. I see. And, and so Pat, Pat Thrall was kind of a, like a up-and-coming hot guitarist. And what the, what the issue was, I think, with Pat Thrall, well, first off, you had two lead guitarists in the band. But Pat Thrall was added to modernize the Pat Travers band. He was... This, no, he, this is your theory? No, no, no. I, well, I've, I've, read, I've read this, but, but, but in other words, he was coming from more the Eddie Van Halen world, and Pat Travers was coming more from the Cream bluesy, world. Bluesy, yeah. yeah, more bluesy. Well, the, the thing I'll say about Pat Travers is he's actually a very generous musician because Pat Thrall is a much, much better guitar player than Pat Travis, like a million times better technically and everything. And if the band's named after you and you are the lead guitar player, it's very unlikely that you would let a better guitar player in. And he he did, and he was... I, so I, I give him kudos for that. Yes, but Pat Thrall also brought a bevy of 80s cliches with him, too. I mean, he, in other words you hear the awkwardness of the two styles trying to merge on this album in in this song well i just think it was just a bad album period i don't, i wouldn't well, blame i wouldn't blame pat thrall for well no it's not it's album. not that i'm blaming pat thrall i'm blaming the careerist they're like okay we need a hot young guitarist of the new style i i i, I don't know i don't i think i can demonstrate this within it go ahead well okay um uh the guitar tone mhm on is this love is that overprocessed, cheesy, eighties? It is overprocessed. Yes, I agree with that. You know, I mean, it, it, there's a there's a before and after. Seventies, you don't have that guitar tone. Eighties, you have that. This is nineteen eighty. I'm saying this is yeah, pointing and, to the and, badness. And and the the album was probably recorded nineteen seventy nine. Right, nineteen seventy nine. So. No, this is the primordial <laughs> ooze of the badness that was to come. So this was this was. This was a sign of what was about to come. Yesterday. Well, again, I think like Paul Young, they're like, we need to modern modernize you up. We need to get a hit song. We need to get a hot young guitarist that plays like this new style. But, but he was already in the band, so a couple of years before. Yes, that, so. but I'm he he was well. Again, you can hear it on the record. The the actual tones he was trying to take the Pat Travers band to a different place. Yeah, and that place was the eighties. As far as I'm concerned. Well, it was becoming the 80s. Yes. So how can you not take something to where it's going? Except it still had its foot in the 70s. What I what I was thinking about was, like, Pat Travers was Cream. And Pat, Pat Thrall. Thrall was Journey. And Crash and Burn is sort of the uncomfortable middle ground between the two. It's a devastating critical point. You, you cannot deny it. 
Oh, by the way, another terrible song on that record, written by Pat Thrall, which is actually... Snorting whiskey and drinking cocaine. One of my least favorite songs <laughs> Great of all time. I was like... Snorting whiskey and, and drinking, drinking cocaine. cocaine. Yes. You How know, did I know you were going to say that? <laughs> well, it's on that album. <laughs> yeah. But God, that's a terrible song. And, and the people that like sing along to that song when they're wasted... <laughs> When that song comes on the jukebox, you just have to run. That song's on a jukebox? I know. Well, you know, the, the, I mean, the virtual I, jukebox. And again, as a young kid, I was like, snorting whiskey and drinking cocaine? Well, in Manchester, that... they'll try anything. Yeah, but we didn't know what cocaine was. I mean, we, I don't they think found they, out yeah, soon yeah, enough. Yeah, we did. But um, I was like, how do you do that? You know, so. Yes. Well, again... It was very painful when I snorted that whiskey. You, you like, tried it. Yeah, you yeah, had to try yeah, yeah. it. Um, so, but again, we've been picking on, on 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 Pat Thrall a little bit here, and he did go on to play with Sly and Robbie, the greatest reggae. Yeah, but even in, in, you know, before that, he was in Automatic Man, which is one of the superb band, and he was in um, Go, like you're being very unkind to the guy. Well, but also. He played with the reunited cream, mm-hmm. so I felt like he sort of fulfilled all of the things on Crash and Burn. That he's a great musician, a great engineer, great producer. So, like, he's pretty bulletproof as far as I'm concerned. So, except for this song, except for this song. and this album, yeah. yes. Trying to keep it on, you know, on, on message here. Um, yeah, I think uh, bad eighties. Can't decide on the stylistic point of the song. Macho cock rock mm-hmm. changes lyrics to add ridiculous mm-hmm. double entendres that yeah. are that misunderstand the whole song. Mm-hmm. So, what is good about, about the Pat that, Travers song? I say two things. The guitar. I like the guitar solo. You're so. totally wrong about the guitar <laughs> solo. I would say by the end, the groove verges on a pretty acceptable slime Robbie pastiche. Mm-hmm. It, they do find a groove by the end. Mm-hmm. Doesn't have the ease, doesn't have, the, but it's still pretty good. And then the other good thing about the song is it was engineered by Greg Colby, who's a great engineer. So once again, great engineering is highlighting the terrible flaws of a song. So in the end, crash and burn, and is this love? It's, Cra- crashed and burn. Yes, I mean it writes itself. Um, it's the sound of an artist. Caught between eras, trying to progress, not knowing know how, so falling on sloppy, sentimental choices that Eric Clapton made a decade earlier. I'm starting to see patterns of bad cover songs. Both, I think, Paul Young and Pat Travers, it's the misguided cover song. Yeah. It's the, we need to make you modern, try this. It's the A&R guy who did a little bit too much blow that day and got excited about a really bad idea and the band had to follow suit. That's a very 80s trait, it yes. sounds like. And yeah, it was yeah. recorded in Miami, which yeah, lends they, credence they, to they, this. They, absolutely. Um, <laughs> and what's actually interesting is, in terms of cod reggae, Pat Travers did not stop with Is This Love. Oh, really? This, this I don't know. On the next album, he covered... I, New Age Music by Inner Circle. Ah, and no, I couldn't buy the, the next album. There you I go. I kind of stopped to crash and I crashed and burned on that record. So, so literally, I, you see, I'd snorted the whiskey and drunk the cocaine, and I was sick, so I, I couldn't do any more. So, um, Paul Young had like inappropriate, over-the-top Joe Cocker moments mm-hmm. throughout. 
Pat Travers has tons of inappropriate accidental Gary Newman moments. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I literally made a list of everything bad. Inappropriate appropriation. Yeah. Misunderstanding the point of the song entirely. Yeah. The song is so personal the original to yep. the original that it's very difficult to put your own stamp on it. Yeah. A bad, problematic performance and production. Yeah. There's something interesting that I'm finding with bad cover songs. The song covered was never good in the first place or was too good in the first place. Yeah. So this is too good. Yeah. Tries to modernize a sort of a nostalgic style and misses the nostalgia factor by a country mile. And I think we have disinfected yeah. Pat Travers' version of Is This Love. I agree, yes. So we'll end with, by the way, do not snort any whiskey. Yeah. In yeah. in your living room no, after hearing this yeah, podcast. Yes, it'll it'll make you yes, you'll yes. It, it will not make you irie. No, you know, no. <laughs> make you ill. Yes. You'll crash and burn. <laughs> Good night. Good night. This effect was created by Morris Bernstein and Matt Deal. Produced by Sean Lewis and Esther Yoon. Recorded and mixed by Sean Lewis at W Sound Suite, W Hollywood. Theme music by Jeremy Clark, a.k.a. Mr. 66. Artwork by Bill McMullen, a.k.a. Billions McMillions. If you want to tell us how much you love or hate disinfect, or wish to purchase an extremely overpriced commemorative mug, oven mitt, or t-shirt, please find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and disinfectpodcast.com. You can also contact us at info at disinfectpodcast.com. Please like, subscribe, donate, all that shit. Thank you and see you next episode to disinfect more of music's worst songs. Wherever fine podcasts are shilled. Copyright Giant Steph 2020 and whatever other necessary boilerplate legal mumbo jumbo blah blah blah. You hear at the end of your favorite podcast. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>